Welcome to the Know and Do podcast, episode number 50. I can't believe that we're already 50 episodes in. This one is entitled Baseball, the only true sport. Now, I'm Justin Barton, a son of God and the host of the Know and Do podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you recall from the last podcast, the invitation was to acknowledge the God-given companion in my life and to express my gratitude first to God and then to her or to him. Part of the potential power in this podcast is for people to be able to share their experiences of faith and hope in an honest and open manner. If you had an experience recently that relates to the purpose of a companion and you're willing to share, please email your experience to knowanddopodcast at gmail.com. Now, for today's lesson, experience, and invitation that will be centered around baseball and life. Now, today's reflection has more to do about my experiences and life lessons learned on a baseball field. Most who know me well know that I love baseball and that I regularly call it the only true sport, although I also believe that ice hockey falls under that moniker. Earlier this summer, my wife and I were blessed to be able to attend the local minor league baseball team's game. It was a good game that kept me immersed for the entire game, and the home team won on a walk-off hit in the bottom of the ninth, and it doesn't get much better than that. During the game, my mind went back to the countless days on the baseball field that I spent as a youth, whether as a player um, or as an adult, as a coach, and in the stands or on the couch as a fan. I reflected on the lessons I had learned and taught to many young players and even non-players. My favorite life lesson that baseball teaches has taught me is the following. When a baseball team is on defense, playing in the field, every single position player has a responsibility on every single pitch, every single ball put into play, and every single throw that happens. Some of those responsibilities are absolutely vital to the outcome of the play. Catch the ball, throw the ball to the right person, and for that person to be in position to record the out. So if the second baseman and first baseman are good players, many times this play seems very routine and even boring. But a simple ground ball to second base, if seen only in this light, is incomplete. Completely incomplete. Let me share a little of what I mean. There are no outs and no runners on base. The pitch is thrown, and the batter hits a bouncing ground ball into the hole between second base and first base. Now we can either see the play as related above, very simple and very boring, or we can step back and see what happens, or what should happen on the rest of the field. When the ball is hit, the second baseman and the first baseman immediately react toward the ball. After the second step towards the ball, the first baseman realizes that the second baseman has a better chance of getting to it before he does, so he starts to retreat back towards first base to cover the base for the throw. During this time, the pitcher on the ground ball to the right side immediately starts sprinting towards first base to cover it in case the first baseman needs to make the play on the ball. These three elements are usually the only elements that the casual observer sees, even if they are paying pretty close attention. But here is what else is happening. The shortstop is moving towards second base to cover second in the event of, a, of an overthrown ball to first base or in case the ball gets through the infield. 
the right fielder is charging towards the ground ball, just in case it gets between first and second baseman. The center fielder is making the decision on the run of backing up the right fielder in case the ball gets by the infield and the right fielder, or is he going to back up second base in case the ball gets overthrown at first base? The left fielder and the third baseman are rotating and shortening their positions to move in case of an error on the right side too. The catcher is following the base runner up first baseline and preparing to back up first base in the event of an overthrown ball there. As can be seen in this light, there is a lot of motion and a lot of responsibilities for all players. On this simple ground ball hit to the right side between first and second base, there's a lot of movement. Sure, nine times out of ten, all that matters and all we see is the interaction between the second and first baseman, and occasionally with the pitcher in this situation. Heck, we even trust, as fans and observers, that these highly skilled professionals will make the play every single time. But what happens when they don't? Even the greatest players in history make errors from time to time. What happens to the game, to the team, to the fans when those errors occur and everyone on the field is just taking for granted that the play will be made? If no one is backing up these star players, what happens? This is where my observation of baseball comes to life and into life. Every day there are choices and events that happen that I have to react to. These events may come my way randomly, or perhaps they are happening to others in my periphery. Perhaps these events seem mundane and ordinary, and seem to happen over and over again. It becomes almost boring. We each have our own teams that we play on, our families, our professions, our friends, our church groups, etc. These are all groups that if one person struggles, the entire group is affected. Where, when a ball gets dropped, or gets through, and an assignment is missed, everyone feels it, and is affected, to some extent or another. What would happen, however, if all players, family members, co-workers, church members, etc., were moving and filling their own positions, and backing each other up on every single play? I have learned that when we're all working together toward a common goal, that even when a, the superstar player on that given team has an off day and drops a ball, or just stands and watches the ball go by, that the rest of the team rallies around and makes the play so that the error committed does not turn into a game-ending mistake. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul gives an amazing description of a team. He's discussing the church, but I'm going to liken it to any one of the teams mentioned above. I will refer to the verses to verses 14 through 22 for this lesson. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? And now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as, it's, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are there many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. 
And in the end, whether I am the star second baseman or the guy in left field that just slowly comes in towards the infield on the example mentioned, I am a necessary part of the team, of the body. And who knows? The next play in life could be a ball hit right at me. Can I trust that the center fielder will back me up? Or can the shortstop trust that I will back him up on a play to him? We are all important to the game of life. I have responsibilities, great and small, that if I don't execute, the whole team suffers. But when I make an error or have an off day, I hope that my teammates will pick me up and have my back, and I will continue to strive to pick others up and have their backs on times where they are not at their best. We need each other. I need others, and others need me. That is the game of baseball, and that is life. God has put me where I am for a reason. God set members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. That reason is to learn to execute my position, to back up others, and to learn to deal with my own failures from time to time. No matter how strong or weak I am, I am necessary. Much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Today's invitation is to ask God where he needs me today then to act in that position and do my responsibility, whether that is a primary role or in the role of backing someone else up, even if my actions are completely invisible. The premise of Know and Do is to share my personal experiences of faith and hope and tie those to either a verse of scripture from one of many sources that people all over the world consider as inspired and holy, or to a quote from godly and inspired men and women from throughout history. From these experiences and sources, I will then issue an invitation to myself, and in turn to the audience, to do what is now known. I do not pretend to be an expert on doctrine or on any of the subject matters that will be shared. I only claim to be one of God's children, walking through life the best way I can figure, striving to do God's will for me, and sharing what I experience. If you feel that this podcast is a positive influence in your life, please subscribe to it, then rate it and review it. Also, please like and follow Know and Do on Facebook. Find us there by searching for Know and Do. As always, my experience is that the key to peace and happiness in life is knowing Jesus Christ and doing as He teaches. say that after all I've done and failed to do, I feel like less than I was meant to be. And what if I could fix myself? Maybe then I could get free. I could try to be somebody else who's much better off than me. But I need to remember this, that it's when I'm at my weakness.